Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 508 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. Is it possible that today is our last episode in March? I don't know. You'll just have to stick around and find out. I am your host for this episode. I'm Sam Klein. Uh, I am coming to you from New York City once again. I am joined by Jason and Donald today. So Jason, go first. How are you, sir? Uh, Looks like you are at home. I am at home. Yes, you can tell because I have a bucolic background behind me at the moment. Uh, Sam, I want to point out nice something. Word. So I, uh, yeah, you'd like that? So I was driving home. I hadn't had a chance uh, until today to listen to the episode that we did on Tyrese Proctor a couple of days ago. And so as the episode is ending, and I didn't remember necessarily saying this, uh, we have me on tape saying, I think we'll probably get another declaration from a Duke player in probably a day or two. And it'll probably be someone who's turning pro- and I didn't name any names, but I nailed it, baby. I was right on target. Two days later, turning pro, Derek Whitehead. All right. So Jason has spoiled the topic today. Donald Wine is also <laughs> here. Uh, he wasn't. He wasn't on our last episode. So what's up, man? I I'm back in DC. Um, it is uh, a lot cooler than it was in the Caribbean, but uh, also just as fun. It's actually quite a nice day outside. Uh, but yeah, I I've had a great. Uh, great last week. And, um, you know, the one thing I did want to say before we get started is uh, congratulations. I know Sam wasn't going to do it. So I'm going to do it. Congratulations to the Miami Hurricanes for making the final four. We'll talk about them later. But 
Yo, go. I mean, you're in the you're you're we're playing on house money now, so just go get it. Go get the ship. That'd be fun. It's uh, it's tough. I feel like as a Duke fan who hates the rest of the ACC because I'm like I can't root for UConn. Right, that's definitely Dude. not allowed. Gone. No Although way. Danny Hurley, Danny Hurley, good guy. And Danny Hurley, relatively tangentially part of the family, you know. But but like, but mm-hmm. that would be like rooting for Jason Capel, you know. Like it's just not. That's a good just, point. That's a great we, point. No, no, no. Love <laughs> he went to UNC, there. so no. Yeah, that's what I mean, right? Uh, so so can't root for UConn. Uh, certainly don't want to root for Miami because they're in the ACC and I uh, hate them. Uh, and then the other two teams are playing each other. That's Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. I got no feelings about those teams at all like they're it, it they produce no emotion collectively for me so uh, I, w- I will say i will say if fau and miami end up in the title game together oh my god epic i can't tell you how south florida's react i was down there uh when they made the elite eight when miami did and people are like yo if florida atlantic gets to the title game and Miami, like no one knows how to react to that. Those are two schools that consider themselves football schools. That's an area that consider themselves a high power football area, but they do have some good, you know, high school basketball talent. This is going to be something that's going to kind of change how these schools look at themselves if they get to this title game. I my dad was talking to me about how I, this might have been an article somewhere about how uh, if if Miami and Florida Atlantic were playing a basketball game in December, which is like. I assume a very normal thing that they could mm-hmm. do, you know, there'd be maybe 1200 people there. Uh, oh, and that's, this time and, they're playing a generous. basketball game and they'll have 80,000 generous. Yeah, it, it would, it would maybe be on the ACC network. Maybe. I mean, ESPN, I don't think it would. No, they would be on you. That would be on like Valley that. sports South. That's what that would be. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Yeah. If, if it doesn't a, exist if, anymore, right. If it's on a, if it's on an ACC related network or an ESPN related network, there's definitely a plus at the end. Jefferson pilot would not take that game. Like that's how, that's how, like uninterested people would have been yeah, three months Mike, ago. Mike Jaminski ain't getting on a plane for that one. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've, we've talked enough about potentially uh, the national championship game. Donald, before we talk about Dariq Whitehead, any thoughts on Tyrese Proctor coming back to Duke next year? Yeah, I love it. Uh, it, it was one of those things, I think, when we talked about who would stay, who would go, our prediction uh, episode, which, by the way, thank you, everybody, for uh, telling us that was a good idea uh, because it, it, it was it was fun to do. Uh, and we're glad that it was something that y'all enjoyed. But I really, I really like the fact that Tyrese Proctor is coming back. I think, again, I said this on the la- on that show, a second year of Tyrese Proctor is going to be incredible. And I think the leaps and bounds. I think the biggest news of all that is not necessarily that he's coming back; is that he's staying in Durham all summer. He's not dr- going to try and qualify for uh, the Aussie national team and go to the FIBA World Cup, which he tried to do last year. He, he spent most of the summer with the national team. But yeah, I think him staying in in town and being that guy, that veteran to kind of lead the you know team from the point guard perspective, we we have a serious monster in our hands. If he can you know make the improvement that he did throughout the season over the summer, I'm looking forward to it. So as we said, we are talking to Reek Whitehead after the break. We will do a quick recap of the McDonald's All American game, which I know hey, that hey, at least a couple of us got to watch. Hey, it's really quick because. Donald was just mentioning the the who stays and who goes episodes that we did. Guys, I went back and looked. Do, do you know that the who stays and who goes episode, the first one, which has gotten a few more downloads than the second one, is our sixth most downloaded episode of all time? <laughs> this is this is what people care. People care about recruiting. The street, the streets asked for it. We gave it to them, and the streets said thank you. 
I love it. So, so do you guys know, <laughs> do either of you know what the most downloaded episode of all time on the DBR podcast is? Is it uh, Duke beating Carolina last year? Like the first game? La- no, no, it's got to be Duke making the final four last year. It, it's not. The, the final four game is, is right up there. Uh, but it is the game right be- uh, right after the, the 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 game of us beating Arkansas to make the Final Four, where we had Jay Billis on to preview the Duke preview UNC the game. All right, Previewing fine. the Final Four is our number one. Making the Final Four is number two. <laughs> I, I encourage everyone to go back and make the Shane Battier episode the most downloaded one because that, that, that's still... I, Amen, the, brother. Not to navel gaze too much. The Shane Battier episode and then uh, the Seth Davis one, where we talked about Rick Majerus, uh, those that's good. Those, stuff, are, those are those are my those are my top. <laughs> and if you don't remember the Seth Davis episode where we talked about Rick Majerus, go find it. Uh, you should be able to Google for this. Before before we get to Whitehead, I know I know we're running along on the intro here, but I do think that it would be cool to maybe have an episode where we look back at some of those old episodes that we really liked. And for those people who may have an episode that they really liked from way way back in the day, we're talking like you know. Before the dog started becoming a regular appearance, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Email us and let us know which of those early, early shows that you liked. And maybe we'll talk about it during the offseason. And don't hold us to any predictions we made during those. Oh, by the way, the, the Seth Davis episode is episode number 33. That's a, that sucker's old. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, feels like yesterday. episode number 33. What, what's the exact date on this? Hold on. This is from October of 2015. Wow. <laughs> we had only that's crazy because we had all, never mind. We, we we're, yeah. we're off track. Uh, <laughs> the least surprising news of the day is that Derek Whitehead has declared for the NBA draft. Duke men's basketball put out all of the requisite photos and videos and endorsements of him. John Shire had a few nice things to say about Whitehead. Uh, he got to reflect a little bit via those social media posts on his brief time in Durham, his unfortunately injury-riddled time in Durham, although one in which he made a few great highlights, won an ACC championship, and now is headed to the NBA. Depending on who you are asking this week, which NBA draft prognosticators, Whitehead is somewhere is going to get picked somewhere mid to late first round in the draft, probably lower than where he expected to be, but he also... The 20s. As, as, the, the- the operating word is the 20s. He's going to go in the 20s, I think. The, the As we talked about, I think, on the who stays and who goes and why episodes, I think the three of us were in agreement that Whitehead certainly has an opportunity to raise his draft profile if he is healthy and moving as well as he did in the last few weeks of the season. So, Donald, I'll let you start here. Uh, what are your thoughts on Derek Whitehead declaring for the NBA draft feel free to reflect either on his legacy at Duke and the, the brief time he was in Durham or on his future as a pro basketball player. Well, I think from the Duke perspective, for at least from the fan perspective, we were kind of robbed of the full Derek Whitehead. We've talked about it all season, the the injuries that he had uh, one at the right at the beginning of the season, they kept him out for a while. And then the one they picked up mid season kind of robbed us of a full season of him getting to his potential. And we saw flashes of that. At times, and it's funny, we, we've also talked about this a lot, the fact that his three-point shooting came around, which was something that he wasn't known for entering college, kind of maybe have maybe helped with his uh, remain in the first round as far as a draft uh, prog- prognosis, 
because of the fact that, you know, in the NBA, they shoot a lot of threes. And if you can demonstrate that you're more than just a slasher and a creator off the dribble, then maybe you can get somewhere. So the fact that he's added the three-point shot to his game, and now we have the potential and upside of what he came into high school or you know, left high school and came to college with, with the reputation of being that creator off the dribble and going to the basket hard and yamming people. Maybe we see that on the next level. And it's, it's he wouldn't be the first person that didn't get a chance to, you know, display that aspect of his game at the college level and then go to the NBA and have a meteoric rise and, and, and show that off in a way uh, that allows him to be successful. I will say this, you know, I know the lottery hasn't been set yet. The the full like uh, the full first round has not been set yet. But the thing that kind of piqued my interest when I was kind of looking at some of these draft boards is that the Brooklyn Nets have two picks in the first round, and both of them, or at least they have at least two in the late first round, and they could be either right next to each other or very close to each other. Look for the Brooklyn Nets who have traded everybody away from their roster. Uh, and and have gotten kind of a new thing. What happens to that future of that team? Where do they go to rebuild? Maybe Derek White has one of the pieces that they look at as they think about the rebuilding of that team. So uh, I'm looking at that, but also I think it'd be a great place for him in the sense that he'd be able to to thrive and, and have the opportunity to play a lot, which I think is what he needs to continue to improve. So, uh, I mean, best of luck to him. It was great to have him in a Duke uniform. And I think, uh, it, again, it just it just – from a fan perspective, we were robbed of the full Derek Whitehead experience. That's not his fault. Injuries took that away from us, but we were happy to have what we had when we did. Yeah, Whitehead unfortunately joins the, I think it's still the Mount Rushmore of Duke freshmen who have come in for one year, had an injury, and we didn't really get to see the full potential. Uh, Kyrie Irving and Zion Williamson kind of <laughs> dominate the uh the, the structure there but I, I, wait, wait, I don't know that feels zion, like I, he's on it Z- zion's not on that list i don't think we saw enough of zion for sure it's Kyrie, it's harry giles there are a few others but yeah i, I feel like i feel like with zion we got robbed of a big chunk of the acc season uh, did, not getting yeah. not getting to see him dominate quite at the at the level where he where he would have jason thinking about Derek whitehead and and his time at duke the, the thing i feel like that'll stand out for me is what a good shooter he was down the stretch for Duke in that in that streak that Duke had to finish the ACC season so strong and then win the ACC championship. Talk to me about uh, Derek Whitehead's uh, skill, I guess, as a shooter, because I know you've been looking into some of the numbers on this. I think it's very easy, Sam, to think, oh, Derek Whitehead is a great shooter and that that's going to be his primary attribute in the NBA. And that is absolutely true when you get out beyond the three-point line. But I'm telling you, one of the things that NBA scouts who are working out Derek Whitehead uh, are going to look at very seriously is his ability to, and and admittedly, you know, they don't have they don't they don't have games that they're going to be able to look at really. But he's going to be able to do workouts for them, and they're going to be looking at his ability to get good shots in the half court, you know, offense off his off the dribble that are not from three point range. I've got an amazing stat for you guys. Derek Whitehead was 42 of 99 on three-point shots. You know, just a shade under 42%, or a shade over 42%, I should say, uh, on the season. He was 41 of 98 on regular two-point field goals. Just 41.8% on two-point field goals that are non-three-pointers. 
of every regular on the Duke team, and I'm not counting Jalen Blakes and Jaden Shute, but of all the other regulars on the Duke team, including Jacob Grandison, Derek Lively, Ryan Young, you name it, Mark Mitchell, all those other guys, Derek Whitehead had the worst two-point field goal percentage of anybody on the team at that at that number, just under 42%. Jason, and does that I count think- like does that count like the, you know, because he had several I call him Kyle Singler twos uh, where he had a foot on the line or was like just one step inside the two point line. We, we talked about this early season. He used to do that a lot. Uh, I, I'm wondering if that includes that or is it just all two, all two point shots? Wait, wait, dude. Yeah, of course it includes it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm looking at stats that break down his two point field goal percentage and his three point field goal percentage. This is, there's no subjectivity to it. <laughs> you know. It's, well, no, I only say that because, you know, there's a difference in my mind between a Kyle Singler two and him, like, you know, missing bunnies right because we hit you know as a, as a sure. team we had that problem uh early in the season as well but i feel like later in the season you know we had fewer of those you know you know the, the where i would call bad shot decisions where he's shooting it from 19 feet instead of 21 his shots were coming more 12 feet 10 feet which were more mid-range but as we know in the nba that 19 foot shot is a mid-range shot that they do love to shoot in the nba yeah, my, my my larger point with all of this is Dariq Whitehead, I think he his workouts are going to be super, super important for his draft stock because let's be really honest. You know, I know that there were injuries. I know there are reasons behind it. But the player that Dariq Whitehead was at Duke is not a guy who is going to get drafted. The reason Dariq Whitehead has entered the NBA draft, the reason people say he will go in the 20s, you know, late in the first, mid to late first round is because of what NBA scouts have seen from him at the high school level and what they've seen, you know, in terms of his reputation. It is not because of the game tape that they're watching from him at Duke. And, uh, you know, again, I'm just, my point is what you saw. And and by the way, I'm wishing the guy the best, love him to death, but the Dariq Whitehead that we saw playing in a Duke uniform wasn't the player we expected him to be. And NBA scouts, when he's working out, are going to want to see more and more glimpses of the player they expected, not the player that he was. Although the player that he was shot three pointers way better than anyone expected. Do you follow that logic? <laughs> yeah, and, and Jason, I think another thing when you when you talk about the injuries, they're gonna they're obviously gonna question that a lot. That you know NBA scouts love to do that, and NBA teams love to make sure that hey, if you have an inj- quote injury riddled history they want to make sure that you're that that's behind you and that you're not going to be, you know, spending most of their time at, on their team on the bench or, or, or in street clothes. But for them, I think a, a, a couple of things that I think people should watch out for his measurables, right? Like his, his leaping ability. He had some great leaping ability. He, he measured some, you know, pretty decent stats in the preseason for Duke. They're going to want to see that improve or be about the same. Why? Because they want to make sure that the injury did not, take away some of that athleticism and you know maybe force them to kind of retool what a player what player he can he's going to be so those little things are going to be things i think people look out for also some of those quick drills the lateral drills things like that to make sure that he hasn't lost a step i don't feel that he has but those are those small measurables that when you see them you know when we talk about the combines and things like that that they may go to the workouts if you hear some of those numbers come out you want those numbers to be going up or at least remain the same because if they are that means that he's fully well healed from all the injuries that he had and teams hopefully won't feel like they're taking a risk by, by drafting him. It's interesting to compare this to Harry Giles's situation where Giles never fully came back to like being a, a productive player. Like 100%. Duke. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in in any way, right? Like like he had flashes of of what he was in high he, school. He, bar- he barely had flashes. It, that's why I'm calling them flashes. I'm not I'm not calling them stretches. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, he didn't have stretches of greatness. He had flashes of greatness at, at Duke. And so going into the draft, it was like, can Harry Giles reclaim, you know, 70% or 80% of what he was in high school? I feel like with Dariq Whitehead, the question is like, is Dariq Whitehead the guy we saw in high school? Or is he the guy we saw at the end of the year at Duke? Because like the guy that, that played at the end of the year, Jason, maybe I'll, I'll take a slightly different approach here, which is the guy that Duke had on the court at the end of the season is worth having on an NBA team because he's such a good shooter and, and he's athletic and he can play defense, but he's not 17 year old Derek Whitehead. And he's not a year progression of 17 year old Derek Whitehead. He's a, he's a pretty different player. Right. Well, and and I want to be clear that I'm not saying that I think the player that Derek Whitehead was at Duke is a player who doesn't have an NBA future. What I'm saying is, the NBA, you know, the team that drafts him is going to hope and expect they are getting more than just a guy who shoots three pointers. Because if we're being really honest, like his defense wasn't what the NBA or what I thought it was going to be at Duke. Not that he was terrible, but he wasn't the defensive difference maker that we thought he would be. And if he's going to just be a three and D guy in the NBA, nothing wrong with that. NBA loves Sam. We've talked about it. NBA loves three and D guys. And he has the three to be there, but if he's going to be a three and D guy. His D has got to improve. And, and there are three or four guys just like that on every NBA roster. So there's exactly. room for him. Yeah. The question is, is he, is he like, I think, I think he's sort of the most likely of all the guys who were playing at Duke this year to like definitely have an eight year NBA career. Big, big difference in, is he having an NBA career where he's, you know, mostly on the bench, or is he a starter and a star? And I could kind of see any outcome there. And and really quick, if I can point this out, I I don't think. Well, while I think the Harry Giles comparison is not completely unfair, it should be noted. Harry Giles was never came close to being healthy when he was at Duke. He averaged less than four points per game, and the NBA was drafting him, hoping that he would that he would get healthy. Uh, Drake Whitehead, I think, uh, you know, Drake Whitehead averaged like close to nine points per game, uh, clearly was at least very, very close to being healthy. And and there's no reason to think that the injuries that he's had are injuries that would last for a while or have a negative impact for a long term. Unlike Harry Giles's knee injuries that people were very worried and it turned out had a debilitating impact on his athleticism, you know, for the future. And Sam, you were mentioning in the NBA that, you know, you're hoping that he be that he becomes an eight year, you know, eight to 10 year three and D type of guy. You know, remember for the, you know, most of the of the second half of the season, it, it, really the bulk of the season, he came off the bench, which was something that was not expected of him when he got to Duke. He was supposed to be I mean, he was inked in as the starter until his his preseason injury. So the fact that he could come off the bench and provide points in a quick amount of time, especially threes, that's going to help him in the eyes of the scouts as well. So, guys, let's take a quick break. When we get back, the McDonald's All-American Games happened yesterday. The And Duke had uh, players in both the men's and women's games. So we will be discussing that after the break. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Wow, the year feels like it's flown by. As we enter the summer, it is the time to take note of the wins 
that life has brought you. And it's a good time to make adjustments for the rest of 2024. Talking to someone about those wins and improvements can help you recalibrate and give you something to focus on for the remaining months of the year. That's right, Donald. That's where BetterHelp can provide the alley-oop. Getting advice from a therapist can help you keep the focus on the good things in life and learn how to handle the hard better. It's online, it's flexible, and you get to fit it within your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched to a professional that can serve as your guide and you can switch anytime you wish. So if you need help setting those goals to carry you through 2024, try BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash dukebb, that's D-U-K-E-B-B, today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dukebb. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back, and we are talking McDonald's All-American game. So two games went on yesterday, uh, Tuesday afternoon slash evening, that Duke fans should have been excited about. One uh, in the boys game, Duke had three incoming players participating. Sean Stewart and Mackenzie Mbako were teammates uh, facing off against Jared McCain. And then in the ladies game, uh, Jaden Donovan, who's headed to Duke next season, was playing. So, guys, we're going to recap these very quickly. I am going to admit to you that I did not get to watch a second of either of these contests uh, last night. I told you I was in New York last night. Uh, I went to a show at Lincoln Center. Got to see uh, Chris Thiele and Jacob Collier perform. They're not basketball players, uh, but they're wonderful musicians. So that was pretty cool and uh, totally unrelated. I know that Jason got to tune in into these. Uh, so, Jason, why don't we start with the boys game? Uh, tell me what you saw. I, I don't see when I'm looking at the box score. I don't see a lot of numbers, uh, at least not a ton of numbers next to the three Duke guys. But what did you see in their performances? Maybe start with them. And then if you have comments about any non-Duke players in this game, uh, we, we could hear about those as well. Yeah, so I'll start with the Duke guys, and maybe maybe we'll do that, and then we can get to some of the non-Duke players. Um, you know, just the the once we're done completely with the Duke guys, uh, to start with, 
I was very impressed. We've been hearing for days that Jared McCain has been one of the more impressive players at the McDonald's All-American practices and scrimmages. And frankly, when it he, he won the three-point shooting contest, as we detailed, and when it came time for the game, he continued to play very, very well. I was incredibly impressed with Jared McCain. I thought that his uh, the thing that impressed me the most was his ability to, you know, penetrate into the defense to create opportunities for his teammates. He seemed very comfortable with the ball in his hands. He did a really nice job, I thought, of getting his own shot off the dribble. Uh, he, he didn't hit three pointers as well as we might have hoped. Uh, just one of six on three pointers, but. But he was three of four on two-point field goals, had a couple really nice finishes around the basket. I, I thought Jared McCain absolutely looked like he can be a combo guard and a very, very good, very effective combo guard at the next level. And by combo guard, I mean he can play some point guard for you. And, of course, he can play shooting guard and be a scorer for you. Uh, it, 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 it's a weird, weird game, the McDonald's All-American game. Uh, the, the teams, you know, they they were trying hard. They were playing some defense at times, I guess, but – it's not a it's not a great game to judge how good a player is actually going to be in college. The, the list of guys who had great McDonald's All-American games and then turned into mediocre college players is long. The list of guys who had terrible McDonald's All-American games and turned into absolute stars in college and the NBA is also really long. So you can't read too much into this. But for Duke fans, it looks like Jared McCain, at least in this setting, was really, really dynamic. Donald, go ahead and talk a little bit more about that, and then we can get to Mackenzie Mbako and Sean Stewart, where the numbers weren't quite as good. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, and I, we'll talk about Sean in a second, but I, I think when it comes to McCain, first of all, I, I know you guys kind of commented a little bit on on him winning the three-point contest, but his stroke is just beautiful, right? Like, this, it's, it's just a fluid stroke. It looks great. And the reason why he, Jason, you, know, he was, you said he was one for six from three, the reason why he took six threes is because all of it, I, I, there was not one shot that I was like, oh, man, that's a terrible shot. Maybe the last one, but that was rushed because they were trying to tie the game. Uh, the game was a three-point three point affair. Uh, but, I mean, other than By that. By the way, that last shot, Donald, was dead on target. It was a little tiny. It was just a little long. long. Yeah. It was a 35-footer, mm -hmm. but he was dead on target. Now, people are like, oh, it was an air ball. It was an air ball because it came from the side. And if you're long from the side. But it hit, I mean, it hit backboard. So it, it, it was one of those things where it just hit the wrong side of the backboard. But honestly, Jason, like his stroke was so smooth and it, it gives me hope that if he's going to be sitting there and and also Jason with that range. Yeah, he launched it from 35 feet, but it wasn't like where I said, oh, man, it's a terrible shot. No, if he's going to have 35 totally foot range, in rhythm, totally yeah, in if rhythm. He's gonna have 35 yeah. foot range. Then yeah. Yeah, baby. Take that shot. But also, Jason, I think that this goes, you know, as we go through these guys uh, and Jaden Donovan. I think the McDonald's All American game is is weird in a sense, right? It's like a, it's like the NBA All Star game where everyone's trying to get their shots up, everyone's trying to get their dunks and try to show out for the crowd. But at least for not for everybody, but for a lot of fans, it's the first time they get to see these players play because not everyone's following our recruits on the high school trail, and, and it's hard to even do that. But at the end of the day, it, it's one of those things where it's a great opportunity for, to showcase some of these guys and for Duke fans to see you know, what the future looks like, especially the, the, the near future with some of these guys coming in. So it's cool to have that out there, even though the game itself might be weird like all the other All-Star games. So let, let's let's quickly get to Sean Stewart and Mackenzie Mbaco. And and I'll deal with the the negative first, which is that Mackenzie Mbaco frankly looked disinterested, I thought, at times. He, he only took two field goal attempts. Uh, he, he just, 
Mackenzie Mbako seemed like he was out of sorts. There's, I know he was injured late in the season, and maybe he's still dealing with a little bit of the the aftermath of some of his injuries and such. But considering this guy's considered like top five in the class, his performance was nowhere near what you would would expect. I, I want to point out Mackenzie Mbako's a, a bigger player. He's six eight. He's not a guy who wants to go out beyond the three-point line and take people off the dribble from there. And this is just, it's a terrible game if you're someone who needs someone to pass you the ball because, frankly, the guards are just Nobody's not passing, passing the ball. <laughs> they're, they're launching from 28 and 30 feet, left and right. And if they're not doing that, they're trying to take you off the dribble. And look, that's fine. It's what they're there for. Have a good time, guys. But it's a terrible game if you're someone who wants to get in the post or get in the mid-range and have a guy get you the ball and then work on someone you know, with your back to the basket, which is a lot of what McKenzie, or, or facing the basket for that matter, which is a lot of what McKenzie Mbako wants to do. So frankly, he, he looked he looked awful. And uh, there's no, I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. Relentless energy. I thought he, uh, again, it's not a situation where he's going to get the ball with a chance to score a lot. He doesn't have a reputation as a scorer, but his, his rebounding was outstanding. I thought his defense was excellent. I love what we're getting from Sean Stewart. There are more than a few people I've seen who've said they get a little bit of a Mark Mitchell, like a, maybe a, a little bit bigger, beefier kind of Mark Mitchell vibe from Sean Stewart. And I think that's very apt, very accurate. He's someone who's going to do the dirty work for you and not require the ball a lot. And, you know, frankly, I love having guys like that. They are perfect compliments to a lot of what Duke already has in the roster. It was a very interesting thought exercise about, you know, watching these guys play in this game and then thinking about how they fit on the roster next year, kind of depending on, is Kyle Filipowski on the team? We expect Derek, or Derek Lively, excuse me, not to be on the team. But then, you know, if Mark Mitchell's on the team, uh, how do they overlap? Do, do you feel, Jason, like like if if Mark Mitchell comes back, that he and Stewart can can coexist? I'll I'll tell you that I think that depending on what Duke gets at the five, what I saw from Sean Stewart was a guy who absolutely can play the college, uh, you know, in the post both defensively and offensively and suck up rebounds and stuff like that at the five spot for Duke next year. I, I, I won't be at all surprised again, depends on a lot of different things and how they all shake out, but I won't be at all surprised if Mark Mitchell starts and spends a lot of time playing ostensibly the center for Duke next season. So you're saying that if Sean Stewart, Mark Mitchell and Tyrese Proctor are all starting together, nobody is scoring or rebounding against Duke. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Donald, so, any other any other commentary on the men's game before we get to the women's? Yeah, real quick on Mbako and and, and both Mbako and Stewart. But first, Mbako, I think Jason, the fact that it, he played last night like he is still not a hundred percent, and as as you as you both know, and 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 many people out there do, this is not the only like big high school you know all star game that's going to happen. A lot of these guys are invited to. They, they used to have a like a used to have a cap on the number that some of these guys can be invited to because they're invited to so many. There's the Jordan brand. There's, you know, all these other different ones. Nike Hoop Summit. Nike, Nike Hoop, Hoop Summit's coming up next. Mbako's in that, yeah. Yeah, so I think this is – he played like a guy that's like, yo, I'm not 100%. I want to make sure I'm able to play in all these games, uh, but I, I can't injure myself by going hard in this particular game, even though for a lot of people the McDonald's All-American game is probably the – premier one right but some of these players they want to go to other ones and they want to make sure that happens so i i'm i'm a you know i'm fine with that make sure he gets healthy i don't need i don't need 100 percent mbako right now we'll need him next season i think the one thing about sean stewart that i loved one he won the dunk contest 
and the thing that struck me about him, not just in the dunk contest, but in the game, is that his 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 jump has so much in acceleration. It's hard to describe, right? It he jumps quickly. Like all of a sudden, he's from the floor to the rim, and it does not take long for him to get there. And because of that, he can sneak dunk some people and he can sneak up to the rim. There's a couple of plays where he went up and it looked like he was just going to go up and try to like lay it in. And all of a sudden he sees some guy coming behind him trying to block him and he just dunked it. And so I think that it, that acceleration, that that athleticism is going to be really fun to watch develop. And also, Jason, I will note from a competitive standpoint, at the end of the game, he got two key rebounds to seal the game for his team. So. Uh, I, I do like that. We, we we like guys who secure rebounds. And, you know, again, it was that acceleration from his jump that was able for him to sky, especially when they missed a free throw and everyone was trying to go for it. Sean Stewart's hand was the first one in the air. He was the highest one in the air and he's the one that ended up with a basketball. So I like I like to see that extrapolate a little bit more next season. And, and And you're right about one thing, Donald. It is very significant that both Sean Stewart and Jared McCain were on the floor in the closing minutes of that game. Mm -hmm. It was an incredibly tight back and forth contest. It looked like both teams actually cared about winning. Both teams were trying to play a little bit of defense. The team defense was terrible, but the one-on-one -on -one defense was pretty good. And the fact that those two guys were in there says speaks volumes about how well they've played and how much the coaches um, uh, count on them. By the way, I want to remind people very quickly in, in terms of what the McDonald's All-American game tells you. Do you guys know who the leading scorer was in the McDonald's All-American game last year? It was Mark Mitchell. He's going to be mm -hmm. a huge scorer at Duke, right? Maybe not. Do you guys remember Kyle Filipowski's performance in the All-Star games last year? He looked awful. <laughs> he was terrible. He looked slow. It looked like he was unathletic. You were like, I don't know how this guy is going to succeed at the college level. He can't even do anything against these other high school All-Stars. And then he won ACC Rookie of the Year. So... High school all-star games, great fodder for us to talk about on a podcast, not very predictive of how guys will actually perform. Jason, don't don't remind us about that. Then we won't do this again. <laughs> I, I, wait, I did not say that. I, just, I, <laughs> I, I spent plenty of time watching this supposedly worthless piece of information last night. So <laughs> yeah. it's fun to watch. All right. Uh, on the women's side, Donald, I know we got to take a look at Jaden Donovan last night who is coming to Duke next year. What'd you see out of her? Her defense makes me smile because it's couple that with the return of Celeste Taylor, uh, who you guys talked about is returning to Duke. This defense that Carol Lawson's building up is going to be something incredible next year. And it was already great this year. They, I mean, they led the ACC and opponents, uh, you know, points per game average. They only, I think they only allowed 50 points per game during the regular season, which is some record that or at least a team in the ACC hasn't done that in a long time. But Jaden Donovan is going to add to that. Yeah, she can score. Yeah, she can get to the rim. She can make free throws. She can do some of that stuff. But what impressed me the most was the fact that she was willing to, in the women's in the women's game was more of a, yeah, it was more of a three, three show. But there was a lot of people going to the lane. There's a lot of blocks in that game. There's a lot of people trying to swat shots. And Jaden Donovan was in, in the mix with a lot of them. And she's not the tallest player on the court. She's not, you know, she's not the biggest player on the court, but she has that tough tenacity that in a one-on-one -on -one situation, you're going to lose if you have the basketball going up against her. It just feels that way every single time. And, and in this game, you saw a lot of that promise. So uh, again, you know, it's one of the biggest recruits that 
Duke women's basketball has had in a very long time. Carol Austin's been recruiting heavily in the in the transfer portal. Now she's extending it to this particular recruiting class. She's the class of that, and it's going to be fun, 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 fun to see her line up in camera next year. All right, so that is it for the McDonald's All-American game. Uh, we will be back at some point whenever there are more, more announcements to be made about uh, Blue Devils' uh, former and potentially future, whether they are playing for Duke next year. So uh, with that, Stay in touch with us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We've gotten a few nice comments the last couple of days from listeners as sort of part of the uh, the, the the season recap circuit. So we appreciate all of that. Uh, and of course, we are going to be soon entering the part of the year where the content gets light. So we will be relying more on your questions than we are during the season. So we have to dig back at all the emails we got during the year that said, this might be an off-season topic, but... I think we need to I think we need to collect those again. So if you if you remember them, feel free to resend if you think it's it's pertinent. DBRpodcast at gmail.com for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine. I am Sam Klein. This has been episode five hundred and eight of the Duke Basketball Report Podcast. Duke Band. Take us home.